Because the government doesn't own our children. We have to take responsibility for our own children. Our children are our future. And if we don't protect them from an overreaching government, we can kiss the United States as we know it goodbye. Welcome to the show. This is a special edition of And If Love Remains. I'm your host, Mike Levitt. I'm very excited and grateful to have on the show today, Audrey Herman. She is um, a candidate for a, a, house, a, a house seat in Colorado um, in District 34. Is that right, Audrey? Yes. So my first question for you is, are you a Nazi for wanting to homeschool your kids? Well... Evidently, I must be, but no, not <laughs> at all. Because <laughs> that's the rumor that's going around. Yes, you know, and it all and it all started just uh, as a as a low blow from my primary opponent. It, it's it's amazing how sometimes how that how that can happen, um, and I want to talk about that. But first of all, I want to talk about um, you. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you came from, and and what got you interested in wanting to run for get into this crazy world of politics. So I am a Colorado native, uh, born and raised, uh, born in Longmont, raised in Frederick. And Colorado has grown because people actually know where Frederick is now. It's on more than one highway sign. So that's a that's a plus. But yeah, my mom is a small business owner. Um, I grew up, I'm the youngest of four kids. I've actually had a fairly traumatic life. Um, and I think that that has really helped me be the person that I am today and allowed me to have this really strong passion to protect people. So two of my siblings have died in freak car accidents 11 years apart. My sister was the first one to die and she was only nine. And then my brother died when he was 23. So I have outlived my oldest sibling. Wow. And so, yeah, we've had a lot of trauma and tragedy, but it's ultimately it's been, it's been a blessing. And I have taken all this grief and sadness and turned it into motivation to make change, to do something different, to be a blessing to other people. So that's, that's a great, I mean, that's a great way to turn so many other people might go into a hole a little bit, but you seem to have been able to turn that around. You know, it's taken a long time to get there. And my mom might laugh at that because I'm only 32, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't always positive about it. You know, I, I definitely went into a hole. My whole family did. I mean, when you lose a second sibling or a second child, you know, like you never imagine that happening. And so it's taken a lot to realize that just because I've experienced a tragedy doesn't mean that my life is over. You know, the, the cup is always half full. There is always a bright side in everything. And my tragedy has blessed other people because through my lifetime, I have had friends who have lost siblings and I can say, I understand and the fact that they then know they are not alone and how they feel is a blessing to them. And I will, I will take that gladly. If oh, I can a, bless other people, absolutely. That's a huge blessing. You know, the, the, I think the scariest thing for anybody is to think that they're alone, um, mm -hmm. whether that's in a circumstance or, or physically or in any way, like to, to be alone is, is horrendous. Yes, it, it absolutely is. You know, and I know what it's like to feel alone. I was only in the eighth grade when my brother died and I came back to school and I had no friends because no one knew how to relate to me. And so I'm never shy about my story. Um, I'm pretty much an open book. And that is so more people know that they're not alone. And to have that happen at such a young age. Uh, and, and how did that shape some of the decisions that you made as far as, um, you know, even where you went to school or, or getting married? Like, how did that shape? your life? Uh, I am very careful now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I am an extremely careful person. So, you know, I never got into drugs. I never, I never drank. I, um, I have become a very conscientious person of the choices I have made. And so they may not, I'm not saying every choice I've made has been good. I mean, that's not the case at all. Um, definitely not one to throw stones, but I have become more aware of people around me 
And so losing someone close to you makes you aware of other people's lives. And, and, and how does that shape your, like your, um, it's, it's interesting. Um, when I first learned of you, I, I had, I, I didn't even know that you were a Republican, honestly. <laughs> I, and, and so, you know, a lot of people might take that, this, this, um, um, you know, these things that you're expressing of, of, of compassion and, and not really um, see that as a conservative or a, a, a Republican ideal. So how, how does that affect um, your political leanings? So another thing that my primary loves to point out is I was not officially a Republican until I chose to run. But when I registered to vote, I registered as an independent. I was 18. I didn't know anything uh -huh. about politics. So, but I've always been right-leaning. I have grown up, I grew up in a very Christian household. Um, I do have a very devout belief in God. And so along with my spiritual moral values, I fall in line with the Republican Party. And so I've, I, as I tell everybody, I have, I've been registered independent, but I've always been right-leaning. Right. But choosing to run, that is very much so what side of the fence are you really on so people can put you in a box? Well, that's, yeah, that's, a, that becomes a whole different category. It's, it's so, I don't know about in Colorado and Arizona, it is horrendously difficult to try to run as an independent or a third party or anything like that. Yes. Um, so it to is have that backing of, of, of a, of a political party is a huge, and if you could find one that aligns with your core beliefs. Um, yes. You know, and I've worked closely with the Republican Party in Colorado the last two years. Um, I've done a lot of activism and testifying and a whole bunch of stuff at the Capitol. And I have become really close to some of these representatives. And I adore them. You know, I want to work with them. They are amazing people. We all have very, you know, similar morals and beliefs. And, you know, obviously we're all individuals. But our ultimate goal for Colorado, our ultimate vision for Colorado is pretty similar. And when I look at the Democrat Party, I mean, I couldn't be further from the opposite. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and so a couple of things that, that maybe some of my listeners don't know. So I just want to go through. Um, I see that you says you're a longstanding supporter of, of Tabor. Yeah, is that how you pronounce it? Tabor? I'm not sure. What is that and, and why are you a supporter of it? So Tabor is, the, is our taxpayer bill of rights. And what this does is this puts constraints on our Colorado government to uh, increase taxes. They are not allowed to increase taxes without voter consent. And our current governor, um, Democrats do not support Tabor. And so our current governor is a Democrat and he has tried more than once to skirt around Tabor. And one way they do do this is they, um, they impose fees instead of a tax. But our Colorado citizens are pretty intelligent. And when they see fee, they're like, wait a second. And so then we will then go and take this to the ballot box. Um, so yeah, so Tabor is just something that protects our, our hardworking citizens in Colorado. Sounds From, good. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. What, and I meant to ask before, so what, so um, you mentioned that you, you've testified, you've gotten close to a lot of the, the um, legislatures there in Colorado. What, why did you start to get active? What was the impetus for that? So I know this is an extremely controversial issue and I am totally okay with that. I am a controversial individual. Um, Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, our, my, my current uh, representative is a Democrat, and he has proposed bills two years in a row to force um, vaccinations on public school children in Colorado. So I used to be a nurse, mm -hmm. and I bought into uh, modern-day medicine, hook, line, and sinker. All my kids are vaccinated, and I've even given vaccinations. Unfortunately, myself and all four of my children are vaccine injured, something I did not know until I started going through medical records and just our lives and things that coincide. And when looking at all of this, you can't deny the vaccine injury that has happened. So 
the current representative has sponsored these bills two years in a row. And he has literally ignored thousands of parents coming right. to the Capitol and testifying and basically denying that vaccine injury exists. Yeah, so, that's a it, it's interesting. You see that a lot, um, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah, it is. It, it is extremely unfortunate. And I was one of those people. I used to be one of those people who denied vaccine injury. I never believed it existed. I believed that vaccines were like one of the greatest things that happened to mankind. I was one of those people. Right. So, um, I mean, it was smallpox, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. If you want to, <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, it wasn't until my youngest was vaccine injured and his injury happened so fast, you know, it had, it was my wake up call. You're right. And so, yeah, I got really passionate about that. And then lo and behold, I started to get really interested in the process of politics. Okay. I find it fascinating. I you like seeing the sausage made, huh? Evidently. Um, you know, on in Colorado, we have a YouTube channel called The Colorado Channel, and they stream the House and Senate floor sessions every single day. And I watch them almost every single day. That's awesome. <laughs> it's I'm so nerdy with this. It's ridiculous. My kids are like, seriously, we're watching this again. And I'm like, you will understand how our government functions. Right. You will understand this because too many people don't. Oh, so, you know, and I admit I was I was one of those people. I didn't understand how our government functioned. I didn't realize, you know, every single state passes legislation differently. Um, I had no idea that our legislative session here in Colorado was only four months in one week, whereas in Arizona, it's probably different. Yeah. In New Jersey, their legislative session is like two years long. Right. I think in, in Texas, it's like they only meet every two years or something like that. Yes, it's it, it's different in every Lots state. of freedom there. <laughs> right, right. I know. That's why there's like a mass exodus to Texas right now. Right. <laughs> So, so, so you, because of the vaccine issue and I'm sure other things too, you, you became a very, um, extreme, uh, family right oriented, like you, like, uh, individual and parental rights became really important to you. They became extremely important to me. I also have my bachelor's of science in psychology from Colorado Christian university and other legislation that is being passed that impedes parental rights, um, has to do with mental health. So my intention was always to become a counselor and okay. got sidetracked by having a whole bunch of kids. But so you became a real counselor. I mean, no, I'm not officially not yet. One day, maybe. No, I mean, counseling all those kids. <laughs> oh, good gravy. I know I've got four kids of my own and yes, you know, yeah. And trust me, by the age of like eight, they you go from like parent to like consultant. <laughs> Seriously, I am experiencing this with my 13 year old right now. I'm like, what happened? You were, you were just like a little kid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, there's just so many things that I that I am passionate about. Um, parental rights is a big one because the government doesn't own our children. We have to take responsibility for our own children. Our children are our future. And if we don't protect them from an overreaching government, we can kiss the United States as we know it goodbye. Now, obviously, I mean, that um, is always tricky because there are quote unquote bad parents. Absolutely. You know, there, are, there are people that do harm their children. So how do you try to balance that in, in your political view as far as like the rights versus where, does the, where should and does the community need to step in? Abuse and neglect is never okay. It is never okay. Every child deserves to be safe. But every parent has the right to raise their child with their own set of morals, their own set of values, their own religious views, you know, however they want to take care of them medically, whether that is modern medicine or holistic medicine, you know, um, even Jehovah's Witnesses, for instance, you know, they don't do blood transfusions and no one sees that as abuse. That is a part of their religion and it's respected. So parents need to be able to raise their kids the way they want to. 
So then a guy with a white coat shouldn't be able to stick a needle in somebody's arm without their consent? Is that what Absolutely you're saying? Absolutely not. And having been in the medical field, and that's another thing, patient rights. You know, I was in the medical field. I went from working in it to being a chronically ill patient and now having three of my four children developmentally disabled in one way or another. So they are all chronic patients. I've seen this from all aspects. And patient rights is super important. And a part of patient rights for your children is parental rights. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, um, and then, and, and so you're, you're doing this ad or, or you're learning about this, how government works. At what point do you start? Are you advocating? Are you saying, Hey, I got to take a stand. I've got to make my voice heard. And how did that, oh. what did that look like? Um, <laughs> so my husband and I are pretty old school with our values. And so I have been a stay at home mom since we got married and uh, I, I went. Have you felt depressed by that? By the way, I'm just curious. Absolutely not. It has actually <laughs> been far more freeing than I could have ever imagined. It is the hardest thing I've ever done. But yeah, let me tell you, there it, it is meant to be this way for a reason. Um, and that is obviously my biblical view. So, right, running for office, it's been a little tricky. So. Deciding to run, I kind of brought it up with my husband. I'm like, you know, I'm kind of interested in this. And our current representative really isn't doing that great of a job. So, you know, I just kind of like tossed it around here and there. And then when it really kind of came down to the wire, because I tend to procrastinate, especially when I'm unsure of a decision. <laughs> um, I, you know, I talked with my husband. I talked with all the people in our freedom movement out here. And I was like, will you guys support me if I do this? You know, this isn't for me because if this were for me, I would move out of Colorado. But I am called by God to protect the least of these. I'm called by God to protect his children. So I really felt that I was called into this. And powerful. <laughs> oh, it's it's kind of crazy. Like I I was praying about this one night and God actually told me, you know how you've asked me for all these years why I made you so stubborn and bullheaded and thick-skinned? This is why. I was like, I, I, I actually laughed out loud. I was like, you're joking, right? You want me in politics? I'm like, I don't, I don't belong. I don't belong in that ring. I am just some random neighborhood homeschooling mom. I had never dreamed of being in politics, but I was called to do it. And so I stepped up, even though I was scared, I'm doing it scared. And the support I have received, you are proof right now. You have me on this podcast. You're in Arizona. Right. The support I have received is insane and reaffirms almost every single day that I am doing the right thing. I have never been one to shy away from a fight when it's a fight for justice and a fight for righteousness. I've always been the shy person, but never when it comes for standing up for someone's rights. So I am all of a sudden in this political ring and it's, it's definitely a learning curve. I'm being refined and I'm just hoping and praying that I win my primary and then I can take on this bill sponsor, this current representative, toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And right. I really hope the people of Colorado have woken up enough to accept, you know, that the way we are going is not good. <laughs> so, so, um, and that kind of brings us to um, how I was introduced to you. Um, a, fr a friend of mine um, uh, put out a Facebook post of, of um, some comments that you're – your opponent had said, um, I've homeschooled our children, or I should say my wife has homeschooled our children. I've, I've done what I could. And, uh, um, our, um, and so we have this, you know, kind of tight knit community and friends and, and, um, so he sent this out saying, I can't believe these words, these, um, these bigoted remarks against homeschoolers that, that your uh, primary opponent had 
had talked about. And it was, you know, and we could talk about some of them. Um, so, and then encouraged, hey, encouraged his friends here in Arizona, hey, go and support Audrey. She, he, you know, I don't know how much he knew about you. He just knew he was against. Hate is sometimes a much stronger motivation for movement than love. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's so true. <laughs> anyway, so, um, um, and that's that, that, and like I said, literally, probably not until um, yesterday did I realize that you were even a Republican. I, I don't know why I didn't put two and two together. Um, but uh, other than I had suspicions because you're a homeschool mom. I mean, that there's that, although that's not universal. Um, uh, but so, it's more common than not. Right. It is more common. It seems to be at least. Um, and, uh, and so I wanted to get in touch with you and, and talk to you about, um, about some of these, these issues. Why, so what, why did you decide to homeschool? Um, what was your reasoning for that? There, oh my gosh, there are so many reasons. One of the big ones was my daughter, my oldest, she was verbally, uh, she was speech delayed. And so that affected her reading and writing skills and that impacts all of education. And she was really struggling in public school. Plus there was some harassment going on that the schools weren't dealing with. And so I had pulled her and I homeschooled her for about three years. And then when my next one was ready to start school, she too was speech delayed with some other uh, physical issues. And so she needed some extra care. So I decided to put them both in public school again. And, you know, it just, it wasn't the right fit for our family. Um, I really felt like every day I was having to reteach our, our Christian morals and values and they were still struggling. They, I really felt like even though they weren't grasping concepts, they were still being moved ahead in their classes, which I don't agree with. And I really feel like we are, we are supposed to be at home with our, with our kids. You know, we're sending them off every single day to be educated and cared for by other people and part of part of you know the vast majority of society doing this is ending up with what we are dealing with today in our country mm. so there was a there's a lot there are seriously so many reasons and each one of my kids is homeschooled for a different reason right that's so true yeah and i hear that from my friends and i experienced that for myself it's really true that that you know you, you start for one reason and and first of all the reasons start to compound and then they start to get more individualized like there's a reason why you know so and so is being homeschooled versus you know it's it's very interesting um, right. how you can really target uh teach a kid yeah and right now though man we are struggling with some reading and i'm like maybe i can just send you to public school long enough to learn how to read <laughs> And then we can come back home. <laughs> right. <laughs> what um, What are the What are the the homeschooling laws in Colorado? Like, what does that What um, What so, things are our teachers unions and and um, legislatures putting up um, to? Because I know everyone does. So <laughs> it's not even yeah. a question of whether they are, but what what kind of obstacles are they putting up in Colorado? So right now, Colorado is fairly lax with homeschool laws. So we have to educate our kids for a minimum of four hours a day or an average of four hours a day over 174 days in a year. And then on the odd years starting in third grade, you have to either take a state standardized test or you have to do an evaluation. Okay. So uh, those are state mandatory things you have to do. Yeah. And aside from, you know, filing either your notice of intent to homeschool or getting under an umbrella school. There's really not much else you have to do. We're not bound to any type of curriculum. We do have to teach certain subjects, but um, they're they're pretty they're pretty easy going out here. So you could yeah you could you have to teach the subjects, but you can decide how to teach them yes. and what to teach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. It is it is really good. However, with this vaccine bill, um, we did get a homeschool exemption. However this means they're just going to come after homeschoolers again. Right. Exemptions are only temporary. Exemptions. Yep. Exemptions are only temporary. And with the new, the, the Harvard study article that came out, you know, I don't know if you've read that. I'm not sure which one you're referring to. 
there was a there was an article that came out from Harvard about how homeschooling is basically just the worst yes. thing on the planet. Yes, I do know that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, now I know, you know, and every state should be aware of this. They are going to come after homeschoolers. Give it time. It'll happen in your state. Yeah. What? Um, and so, you know, some people, um, namely your opponent would say, well, what, what gives you the credentials or how do you think you, that you, you have the credentials to, to teach? Where's your teaching degree? Um, you know, how, why, why do you think you have the ability to teach these kids? Because I can do a Google search. (laughs) 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 You know, I'm, I have, I have spent so much time in college, um, that I have enough credits for an associate's degree. I have enough credits for a bachelor's degree. You know, I graduated magna cum laude, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. And right. while there are certain things like, okay, math is my nemesis. I don't do well with math. But there are different avenues that you can take to teach your students stuff that you yourself are not sure about. You know, most, most teachers don't know everything about every subject. Even if they only teach one subject, they don't know everything about that subject. Right. Sometimes teachers learn right along with their students. And it is much harder to teach a classroom of 25 to 35 kids than it is to teach your one to four to six to however many children you have that you personally know, that you intimately know. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a fact. Um, so, um, okay. So we go, going back to, you know, my story, cause it's all about me. Um, <laughs> so we, <laughs> I have to um, say it is super weird how much I have to talk about myself now. <laughs> I bet, I bet it could get, you, you start to see why celebrities start talking to the third person. You know, Mike here is, uh, you know, <laughs> but, uh, um, I did, um, so, so I, I, I see this, um, and it is, it is anybody who's interested. I don't know if you, why you would be, but it's some vile stuff that he's, that he says about homeschooling, um, that your opponent talks about. Um, what was what has been kind of the the fallout from that in the last few days? What what has happened? So, um, a local paper picked this up, the Colorado Herald, and shared screenshots of what he said about homeschooling, and that took off. This has now been seen nationwide, and by the evening. So I don't know what time he said what time he said this. Um, and what time the Colorado Herald picked it up. But by that evening, he had ended, he deleted his entire campaign Facebook page. Wow. And so none of us have really heard from him. And I know that there is currently a lot of pressure on the Adams County Republican Party to make a statement or say something, you know, about the statements that he made, because it is clearly not a Republican platform to attack homeschoolers right not in most states at least <laughs> yeah i mean um part of the republican platform is school choice and i fully support all types of school choice you know i went to public schools i went to charter schools my kids have been to public schools and charter schools and now they're homeschooled you know i know kids i used to be a girl scout troop leader so i know kids that went to private schools and it is really up to the parent how they teach their children because we know our children best and we have to, we have to do what works for our own lifestyles and you know, no one, and especially not the government should have a say in that. <laughs> right. Absolutely. What, um, so assuming that, uh, that you do, you, uh, you do went out in this primary, what are the, what are the, the top things that you're going to run on, um, in the general, what are, what are your top, agenda items that you want to bring to the house in Colorado? So one of the, one of, I think probably one of the most important topics right now in Colorado is our second amendment rights because our governor passed a red flag law. So you can basically call the police, say, Hey, this person is mentally unstable and they have weapons and then they can come and seize these firearms. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like due process. Yeah. Right. Um, it, yeah, it is. It is insane. I cannot believe we actually, if I recall correctly, we actually voted down this bill and then the governor overruled us. 
Well, how, how does that work? Like, because I know, you know, for example, we've been going, this is being recorded during the, the COVID-19 crisis, we'll call it. Um, and and so, so many governors have just, you know, taken executive power to the nth degree. But how does it, how does a governor just over, just not, uh, just, just decree a law like that? How does that work? Compliance and complacency. So, so there was no legislative on that, the, the gun law. It just happened. He, he just made it happen. Yes, the governor signed a piece of paper and made it happen. And as, as, as far as I know, this law has not been enforced yet. And Weld County, the Weld County Sheriff has taken a stand and said, I will absolutely not ever enforce this law. So Weld County is a huge county in Colorado. And um, they, are, they stand for a lot of original morals and values of Colorado. Uh, A lot of rural, I can't say rural, (laughs) a lot of the the outskirts of Colorado is still fairly old school, like the Colorado I grew up in and the Colorado that I love. But when you get closer to Denver and Boulder, those people are more quote unquote progressive. And so they support these laws. They support the governor doing these executive orders and the governor is abusing his power. Clearly. I mean, I mean, all you know, of this, the nation right now, governors oh, are abusing their power. It is a, it, it is come. I mean, I think, I think this, this COVID thing has really brought that into focus for me at least, but, but for decades, it, this, um, amagulation, mag, this, this fluidity of lawmaking between the, the executive and the judicial and, and totally, removing the legislative body from lawmaking has been kind of shocking to me. Um, it's, it's as if, and, and, um, I, I really don't want to be too overboard on this, but it, it is as if we're an occupied territory being governed by a Supreme commander. It's shocking to me, you know, and that's something, you know, people constantly say we're a democracy. We're a democracy. No, we're not. We are a constitutional Republic who uses democracy to help make our constitutional republic function but ultimately we are a constitutional republic yeah and the governor and even the president cannot step outside the lines of our constitutions so you know every state has their own constitution and then we have the constitution of the united states people a lot of people don't even know that yeah I, I found a, a I talked to a lawyer and he taught me the four corners doctrine of, you know, if it's not, not within the four corners of the document, they can't do it. And uh, so often we're, we're, they're just, just not even looking at, I mean, it's, it's as if the constitution state constitutions and the, the U S constitution just don't exist. It's, we're just going to do what seems prudent. Right. And, you know, and that's a problem. So I really, I am a constitutionalist, but there's no box for that. Right. So I will never vote for a law that violates anybody's constitutional rights ever. And if that means that I tick off Republicans, then so be it. But next to the Bible, our our constitution is the most important document in the United States. And that has to be upheld. Our rights are never up for debate. Our rights are not to be trampled on. Our constitution is not to be chucked out the window like a piece of trash. Right. So well, it's, it's, it's because our rights are not, you know, they weren't given to us by the constitution. They were just uh, articulated by the constitution. They were given to us right. by a supreme being, by God, that by the nature of us being in his image, you know, that's, that's, that's where our rights come from. And so even, and, and even though this is something I hear a lot, um, even though we haven't seen had those rights to, to be exercised for thousands of years. I mean, literally, uh, there's been very few places where an experiment like the U.S. Has, has taken place where people actually had individual rights. But that doesn't take away the fact that each one of those people had those individual rights. Right. You know, and that's something that, you know, I a part of my platform is the people need to take their power back. And me, part being a part of the people, I'm going to take my power back by taking his job. There you go. 
What, so how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way that people can support your campaign? So if you are, you know, more than an hour or two away from me, donations, I need donations. And you can send donations at uh, www.audreyforcolorado.com, which is A-U-D-R-E-Y-F-O-R, colorado.com. And then also on my Facebook page, um, Audrey for Colorado House. So donations are crucial because I am literally going up against big pharma. Yeah. I have a lot. They have deep pockets. uh, Yes. And our current representative is, has been paid off repeatedly as shown in his tracer reports from big pharma lobbyists. So I am quite literally taking on big pharma. And so it is going to take, an insane amount of money to go up against a Democrat incumbent. So I've been very blessed so far. And right now my campaign has raised around $10,000. Oh, that's wonderful. It's mind blowing and beyond humbling. I never imagined I would reach $10,000. When I was told that you need to aim for $6,000, I was like, you guys are crazy. I'm never going to get that much. And now we've blown that out of the water. So, yeah, I mean, it is going, I cannot stop. Once I win my primary, I cannot stop campaigning until election day in November. What, what kind of, what, and, and what kind of support have you gotten? I mean, I mean, that's wonderful to hear the numbers. Um, are you getting, is it a lot of grassroots? Are you getting big donors? Like who, who's coming and supporting you? So financially right now, it is all, it has really been warrior parents who have been in the vaccine fight. I have gotten donations from all over the United States. And then we have had some, you know, with getting my name out there, you know, I have had some like local contributions who may have not been in the fight with us, but a lot of my support is coming from parents within this fight. And I am fighting for these parents. They know I am one of them. They know that I understand what they're going through. And they know I can't be bought. So that is a huge thing. And then, you know, we are extremely grassroots. I say I'm still grassroots to this. I'm still a seed. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning as I go. And it has been a wild ride. But locally, you know, people have um, been taking flyers and dropping them on doors. We've been sending text messages and phone calls. So even if you're out of state, you can send text messages and phone calls for me. And it it is super important right now in the state of Colorado. We have a Democratic supermajority. So not only is our House chamber Democratic heavy, but our Senate chamber is as well. So our focus right now is to flip the Senate because that is far more tangible than the House because we only need to flip like three or four seats to get Republicans back in power in the Senate. Um, But my seat is extremely crucial for the health freedom movement because I'm taking on the bill sponsor himself. And if I can win, that will show not just Democrats in Colorado, but it will show Democrats all across the country Oh my gosh, these people actually have power. And then tell me again, the 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 bill, the vaccine bill, what does it say? What are they trying to enforce? So what this bill has done is they they have given up the legislative power to our health department. So how it works in Colorado is the health department makes suggestions for our vaccine schedule for our public school kids. And then the legislature says, okay, yes, we agree with that. Or no, maybe we don't and we should reevaluate this. So they have given up that check and balance power to CDPHE, which is a big red flag because we all know um, our health departments take their marching orders. They become unaccountable. They become unaccountable bureaucrats, administrators that, again, are like self-law you know, like yeah. they have their and, own little, they can just create law. They can, they can police it. They, you know, it all becomes, you know, and an unaccountable all, body. And they're, yeah. And they're all unelected. So we didn't even choose these people. 
So yes, they've given up that power. Then they also removed religious exemptions. So now religious and philosophical exemptions are now under one exemption called a non-medical exemption. Okay. So now they've attacked religious freedoms. Right. Then what there's, I mean, just out of curiosity, just cause I'm, I'm ignorant on the issue. Like, um, why, why is that a problem as far as other than saying, okay, you don't have a special exemption. Like why, even though, but you do have an exemption under this uh, philosophical and religious exemption or, or non-medical. Um, why is that a problem in your mind? Well, why do we have more than just male and female checkboxes now? Because we're not that bright. <laughs> <laughs> because because checkboxes matter. You know, yeah. it no longer said it, it no longer says, you know, is your race, you know, black, white, or Hispanic. Right. You know, those checkboxes matter. Those checkboxes mean something to people. And like Christian scientists, for example, they don't vaccinate. And so while if they hadn't been Christian scientists, you know, they might actually vaccinate their children, but because of their religion, they don't and they can't. So, so really in other words, it's a, it's another way of taking religion out of the public sphere and saying, yes. I saying I, I, it's not just because of a philosophical problem I have with it. It's because of my religious beliefs that, that, that are um, informing my decision. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. So, yep. Totally attacked religious freedoms there. And the Democrats don't see this. They're, uh, I, I have sat down with our representative himself, and he really does not like me. But um, he is like, you know, but it's, it's, the, it's not the government's business whether or not you're taking a philosophical or a religious exemption. And I'm like, yeah, but the checkboxes matter. And it's also none of the government's business whether or not we vaccinate our children. So, right. you know, it is. I mean, this, if that's, decision. if that's the premise, I'll go with you all the way there. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not the government's business. It's not the government's business, whether or not we vaccinate our children. It's not the government government's business, whether or not we take our children in for well child checks. It's not their business. What school we enroll them in. It is, it's not their business. Um, I really, I firmly believe that the government as long as no one is being harmed, the government does not belong within the four walls of our home. Hey, I, I'm, I, I'm with you. I, I'm pretty hardcore. I don't think it's the government's business to know what kind of car I drive. Right? You know? <laughs> I, yeah, seriously. We have to register our vehicles for what purpose? Just well, we so you guys can make more money? Yeah, exactly. And track us? And that's the other thing this bill does. This bill tracks unvaccinated partially vaccinated or delayed vaccinated children. It will put them in a database. Wow. That's shocking. Since when does the United States of America track law abiding citizens, especially minors? <laughs> that's no, that's a, that's a shock under law. That's a shocking. I'm sure a lot of lawless tra tracking goes on, but to do oh, it yeah. under law is shocking. Oh yeah, it absolutely is. And so they'll, and they'll tell you, oh, it's not being tracked, you know, CIS, which is our uh, Colorado immunization information system, you know, that's, that's been there for years. Well, you can't actually opt out of CIS, which is, by the way, it's an opt out, not an opt in. So, um, your, and you can't opt out. Is that what you're saying? You cannot completely opt out because your child's name, zip code, date of birth, county, and I, one other thing, I can't think of what it is, will always remain in this system. Hmm. And so by opting out, are you then putting a larger target on your back? Well, and that goes to the large, to me, the larger issue, which is, you know, of, of it, it's, it's the camel getting the nose in the tent. You know, um, I'm, if, if, if you, they can track that, they can track how we're teaching our kids. If they can track that, they can track what we're doing from day to day. If they can track that, they can track what kind of guns we own. If they can track, in other words, like at what point do law-abiding citizens no longer are, are no longer free? I don't think we're free now, which is a problem 
because we're supposedly a free country, <laughs> you know, and that is, and it's an unfortunate truth. You know, so many people have just accepted what's happening. You know, so many people have just accepted, well, you know, I'm basically just a peon out here and they can do whatever they want up in our capitals. No, government is not a spectator sport. It's right. not. We are all supposed to be on the field taking hits together. They are supposed to represent us. The government was not created to govern the people. The That's people right. are supposed to govern the government. So people, like I, like I said, people need to be taking their power back. They need to realize they do have influence. And, you, and people need to be researching their candidates. Because if they're not, then you may end up electing someone who's not going to give a crap about what you think about what's going on. And so, and, that, as, and that's whether you're, you're, it doesn't matter what party you're affiliated with. I mean, that, that's universal. It is universal. It does not matter if you are Democrat, Republican, unaffiliated, libertarian, what have you. You have a say in what happens in your government, and more people need to understand this. Every single legislator has a phone number and an email address, and it is your right as a constituent as a person who lives in the United States to contact them at any time and expect a response. And I also, I, and I think it's important to say um, that like uh, vaccines, for example, um, that's not to say that vaccines shouldn't exist or that people shouldn't have them if they want them. It's it's not about that at all. It's about the process of force and the and the 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 mandatory um, uh, you know mandatory schooling. I mean, all of these things. It's not about schools. It's not about. It's the philosophy behind them that's saying, "Wait a sec, you don't have the right to to make me do this or do that." Correct. This the vaccine bills. While people are like, "Oh my gosh, anti-vaxxers." It's not really about vaccines. It's about choice. Right. We are a free people and we also shouldn't be tracked. Our children shouldn't be tracked. So there, it is so much more than just vaccines. Whether or not you agree with them, that is beside the point. You know. Right. On this issue, with being free. On the, on, I mean, we could talk about this, the efficacy of them. We could talk about... Um, uh, uh, vaccine traumas and, and injuries that people have that are real. Um, we can talk about that. But on this issue, it's about who says what, who makes that decision. Right. Ultimately, who, who, who is responsible for your children? Does the government own your children or are you responsible for them? Right. Very good. Well, um, I think we can, um, uh, my, is the best way for people to reach you at Facebook or AudreyForColorado.com? How's, how's the best way for people to get in touch? Um, Facebook, and you can message me because I can get to those right away. My uh, email is absolutely jam-packed, but messaging is really good. I usually typically respond fairly fast. I think you experienced that. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> It's very great to, to, get, to get a great response from you. Thank you. Um, and then, I, and let me also mention: it's important whether you're listening to this in Colorado or whatever state you're in. Go, go and vote your conscience. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're not going to vote, then people aren't going to know. And 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 I hate the fact that everything is is a win lose situation when it comes to government. But you've got to make your voice heard. You've got to go out and vote. So um, get there, get out and do that. Um, where, um, how how can people help get the vote out for you? So one of the things is like sharing Facebook posts is huge. You know, so much of society is on Facebook right now that sharing those posts is massive. You know, you guys need to be talking, you know, with your friends, your family and your neighbors, making sure these people are registered to vote, getting them to vote. You know, it is in local elections. They are crucial to changing the political climate. Every local election, your vote is counted and your vote matters. I mean, it could come down to literally 50 votes that separate me from my primary of who wins. Well, and the thing people don't understand, I think, is because we get so caught up in national elections that it's it's the local elections that, number one, that that 
um, affect us the most. But number two, it's the local election, elections that get people elected that can move on to state houses and, and national elections. I mean, they, those people, unless you're Donald Trump, those people don't just come from nowhere. You know, they, they come from the grassroots and, and they, they get started in these local elections. So if you if you want better candidates for Congress, if you want better candidates for the U.S. for the president, you need to have better candidates at the local level. Yes, exactly. Thank you. So um, I, I think we're going to wrap it up. Is there anything else you'd like to add or anything that, that we that you want to say before we and finish? I just I really appreciate this opportunity and I appreciate you reaching out. Um, if I can, if I can encourage more people to run because I am just some mom, you know, like it's possible. There's no special, you know, credentials that you have to have to do this. You can do it too. If you have a vested interest in politics, go run locally. I mean, you can do it. It is possible. And it's just really important to be voting and making your voices heard because your voice really, really matters. And you should care about your no- yourself enough to know that your voice matters. Right on. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you so much for being on the show, Audrey. Um, you can find her on Facebook, um, Audrey for Colorado. Audrey for um, Colorado House. Audrey for Colorado House. And then her website's um, Audrey for Audrey for Colorado, F-O-R, Colorado. Yep. Is that right? Yes. Awesome. This is And If Love Remains. Um, if you'd like to support the show, we do have a new merch thing. So you can get your... Uh, you can get your your And If Love Remains face mask. You can get your And If Love Remains coffee mug. You know, whatever you need is there. And then again, thank you, Audrey, for being on the show. We will. Hey, maybe we should we should talk after after the election. I'd love to. All right, sounds great. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great day, everyone.